For us, we keep doing things that we get excited about. We see an area, we see a site that we like, and then we go about building a concept um, that we feel fits into that space. For want of a better word, it's a bespoke approach to the market that we're trying to put the put the restaurant into. It's about creating something and watching it come to life and, and, and seeing the result of that, that really gets me excited. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. When we think of restaurant groups, we often think of franchises or restaurants being replicated in new locations. But some groups take on the challenge of creating new offerings each time they open a new venue. What does it take to build a boutique restaurant group with multiple brands? Hamish Watts is a co-founder of Applejack Hospitality. Hamish, how are you going? Yeah, good. Thanks, Huck. Thanks for having me, mate. Well, it all started for you guys with Bondi Hardware. Did you ever envisage having a big restaurant group when you first opened that? Uh, look, we, we did and we didn't. Um, we we uh, planned on having like a couple of restaurants. Ben and I were working together. And when we went into hardware, the plan was initially that I would go off and um, run hardware and Ben would stay working with our employer that we were with at the time. Um, and then for certain reasons, Ben and I end up both working in um, Bondi Hardware, which for those of you that know is about a 80-seater um, restaurant down in Bondi. And we quickly found that um, the two of us in that space, you know, there was um, it was limited. We, we liked working together, but we, we were certainly ambitious to have some more and potentially have a little bit of space from each other as well. So um, sort of in those early months of working together, it was it – was, um, Certainly a magical time, but I think over that period we decided pretty quickly that we wanted to expand into a um, a small group. And thankfully, our um, experience when we we're working together prior um, was with a um, larger pub group, and um, we sort of learned the fundamentals of what was required to to do that from the back end. And um, that's that's kind of when the decision was made. Um, we uh, we set ourselves a goal of, and this is quite a this was the original story of Applejack's success was to um, uh, launched about five sort of small restaurants over a period of five years, and that was the plan, and, and that's where we went about we're aiming for. Well, uh, there's many amazing duos and restaurant um, teams across the country that create incredible offerings. Uh, you and Ben worked out pretty early on at Bondi Hardware that you can work together, and but as long as you're not too close. Uh, take us back to those early days. Well, how, how do you work together? Like, how does it work? Uh, well, on the early days, um, this is probably where we went a little bit wrong at the start um, because I was um, spearheading it at the start, I guess, um, because as I said, Ben was was going to stay uh, working um, externally. Um, we both jumped into the business and there was a bit of a case of both of us doing everything at the same time. So we were kind of, there was no particular roles indicated with Ben and I. We were both just co-owners and we were both doing a bit of everything and um you know, Ben was very patient with me and I think I was the same with him, but um, there, there came a point where we realised that um, that was just no longer feasible and both of us, you know, neither of us are a chef. Um, we're both front of house guys. It's always been that way um, and probably bar leaning, if anything. Um, so the two of us were kind of like, you know, naturally um, picking up the same kind of workload and um, after a, after sort of six months or so, we realised that was unsustainable and, and we moved into a pattern of... Um, uh, management structure where we, we we called it channel management where I was looking after certain elements of the business and and he would look after other elements of the business and um, 
the plan was that we'd do that for a little while and we could mix it up as we wanted to. But as we've both grown and developed in our roles, we've sort of kept those same fundamentals and we're, I'm still looking after the same stuff I was looking back after in 2011 and Ben's doing much of the same. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned you're both front of house, but take us back to yeah. early days. What was food like growing up in your family? Mate, it wasn't um, particularly exciting. Sorry, mum, if you're listening. Um, it, was, <laughs> it, 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 it was good. It was very good. Like it wasn't, but I, I guess what I mean by that is it wasn't something that I would say defined who I am today. Um, there was always a lot of good food on the table and mum was a great cook and a lot of it was kind of, uh, Mediterranean fare, but there was the odd tuna mornay thrown in there just for good measure. Um, but I grew up in a, a you know classic nuclear family in Sydney suburbs, and um, as a result of that, we had a lot of a lot of my good memories as a kid. Uh, you know, family barbecues and and having all the friends over and massive Christmases and things like that. But I wouldn't say that was what defined my food direction. That was something that I certainly learnt over the years. And hospitality for me was. Um, like a lot of people, I think it was it wasn't a clear goal or a clear direction that I was working towards throughout my schooling life. It was something that I, I fell in love with over a course of a period of, and I just found that I had a natural aptitude for it. So it was where I ended up going. Yeah. What were the really important uh, venues and people that you worked with in the early days in the industry? Oh, look, in the early days, I was working in into small cafes and and restaurants while I worked my way through university. I um, I was at school focused more around music and um, having a good time. Like I've listened to a few of the other, my peers on, on your podcast, and it seems to be a common sort of dom- a common um, aspect of a lot of people that move in a hospital. I was driven by the the fun aspect of school and, and it wasn't ne- necessarily a an academic um, student, but I, um, I worked through, um, I, I played a lot of music while I was at school and that was always the direction I kind of felt like I was going to go down. So I was just working in, cafes at the local um, shopping centre. I worked at a restaurant out in Parramatta because my university was out near there. Um, and I just kept falling back into it. But it was a means to an end. Um, it was never the career. I was always going to be, um, I found I was going to move some vague idea of music, moving into music production or something along those lines. But um, that wasn't to be. I think probably for me, the real defining point when I decided that it was a hospitality career and that's the only place I was going to go was when I, I moved to London, like a lot of people do. You know, was, um, I, um, I moved over there with the ambition just to travel a lot, which I obviously did. I did a lot of traveling on the way over there. And when I got to, when I got to London, um, I picked up a gig in this, um, it, was a, it was a pub in South London, um, but it was a multifaceted kind of joint. We had a... Um, a very small sort of French style bistro upstairs and downstairs was a, well, loose term, it would be a gastro pub that turned into a kind of nightclub on the weekend. The only the sort of thing that you'd find um, in London, in, in, the, in London at the time. And um, it was, it was awesome. Like I was working for an independent operator. Her name was, um, is Sarah Wall and she has a bunch of pubs over in London now, but um, she was really strong at, at finding good sites and, and uh, letting, you know, uh, putting a good concept in there, but in relation to the running of the venues, she was fairly. She gave you a lot of um, a lot of rope. And uh, when I was over there, I was working for a really um, charismatic. Um, the general manager was this young charismatic English guy who basically taught me everything about um, creating a vibe and and culture within a business. And and I stuck with that that job and moved into a general manager capacity um, for four years. And I think that's kind of. I'd say that's when what, what defined me is where I am today. And I, I would say London at the time, 
a lot, a lot of people would would you know attest to the the creativity that was over there. All the pubs were as um, was trying to outquirk each other. It was it was sort of de- dependent on how much furniture you could stick on the ceiling and, and and how many Charles Dickens novels you could get to put your menus in. It was all that kind of vibe. <laughs> all that all that kind of vibe was was going on. But I just remember just you know going to Shoreditch and just being blown away by the bars that were there and and the and the um, the creativity that people were putting in. It wasn't all about the money. It wasn't all about the, um, the, the, it was just, I guess it was just about the vibe and the, 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 the creative, creative concepts that people were coming up with. It just really got me excited. You mentioned you're working for a pub group when you and Ben um, met. How did, how did Bondi hardware come about and the decision to go into a venue together? Uh, look, I guess it came from when I moved back from the UK Um my partner, um, Sarah, she she was a big supporter of, of me doing something on my own. You know, I, ca- I came back from London and, and I think Sydney was going through a dynamic change at that point. This was like 20, uh, 2008. And, um, you know, it was almost like the blinkers were off. We could see all of these cool bars that were down in Melbourne. Um, there was a shift from hospitality in Sydney being pigeonholed into sort of three categories, whether that be like, you know, bars being one category, pubs being big stainless steel monoliths and restaurants being defined to their kind of park. Um, And people were trying to sort of do different things. You know, there was Bodega down in Surrey Hills and um, there was like a real crossover between restaurants and bars and and all of that sort of stuff. And I was, I was really pumped by it. Um, And when I got back, I've, I was completely broke when I got back from living in London. My, my, my wife and I had done like, you know, six months traveling through South America and Africa and all sorts of wonderful stuff, but it came back without a penny to my name. And um, I, 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 by and large, found this um, job with a large pub group and, and I took on a licensee position at quite a young age, but it was paying really well and, and um, it's what I needed to get myself back on my feet. And, and that's where I met Ben. And um, look... Looking back at my time with those guys, it was it was really cool. Like I, I, I had a really they had a really good culture, and the CEO um, Dan Brady that was running that that business was was a formidable character to say the least. And um, over that time, I guess that was that was looking back, it was like a, it was a a necessary step in my career, not necessarily like aligned with sort of what I wanted to do from a creative perspective, but. Um, operationally it gave me the the fundamentals on what you needed to do to to run a business properly like there's a lot of structure in the way they did things and and I learned an awful lot in relation to that but um I guess that's when I met Ben and we we worked together in a head office capacity doing a fairly um fun and cushy group role in training and and, and brand development and things like that um and I just there was just this insatiable desire across that whole period while I was doing that to to do something myself um, and that's kind of when I decided to take the plunge. Yeah. You mentioned that you have the front of house background and not a food background. How do you guys approach the food offering and, um, make sure it's at the level that is required for the, each venue? In the early days it was pretty hard as you can imagine. Um, we didn't have an executive chef working for us at the time. We just, there was just a, we had a head chef there, um, I employed the best chef that I knew. That's kind of how we started. Uh, we, we had a guy that I used to work with um, by the name of Justin Walsh, who, uh, you know, he was a he was he, had, he was one of those chefs that just had a really good touch, and he was um, 
he was uh, open to to trying different stuff, and 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 um, he came on board in the early days, and he got us off. He got us started, and I probably probably the area that I was most let down in um, was the fact that I didn't operationally. I had a very good um, view of how we were to run the front of house, but I, I knew what 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 I was happy with from a food perspective, but I couldn't control how it was running from the, the back end. So like, you know, if, if the costs weren't right or there was things I weren't happy with, or there was something I couldn't quite articulate that I wanted to change. It was quite frustrating at the time, I recall. Um, and trying to fix things I always found was, was a little bit tricky. Um, so, um, but we, 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 Justin got us a really good start down at hardware and he went on to um, launch our second venue, which was, um, which was uh, the botanist in Kirribilli. So he was, he was uh, looking after a couple of those, but the first few years, it was like it was super tough. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like we were, we were, um, we started off with a um, look bar act restaurant concept where the food was, you know, um, a part of the package. It wasn't. I wouldn't say the food was the reason you went to hardware. It was like you went to hardware because it was like fun. It had a mad vibe about it. It felt super comfortable. There was really good tunes on, um, great drinks, and a, and a good solid food offer. So it was kind of. It was a holistic package like you see on those sort of smaller owner-operated venues, you know, like Buffalo, you know. Um, and um, but we, as we as we grew those first couple of years, it was pretty it was pretty tenuous from a food perspective. I felt like I was at sometimes just trying to trying to hold on, you know. <laughs> um, and and people and the, and the more people started to you know get. Uh, get excited about your restaurants the, the 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 higher the expectation and then you're wanting to do better yourself and so you become proud and you get that bad review from you know even it just could be from like joe average punter um that just knocks you a bit flat and you're like geez we've got to do better in this department so um you know like and the, the restaurants were competing with down in bondi at the time we're doing a pretty good job of it like we had Brody peterson up doing a little sort of flying squirrel and he had the stuffed beaver and he was doing some cool stuff and Anthony Kaplan had uh, the corner house and Panama house. And they were doing cool food. And so we we're sort of like in that space and, and trying to sort of compete in that area. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty tricky, you know? So, yeah. Well, things started to change, but how did the expansion of the group start? Uh, well, it was very easy at the start. Well, when I say easy, stressful, but easy. Um, we, we just took a model that we had in Bondi and, we found a site that we were aware of in a, in a, in a location within a market that we were very comfortable in. Um, ben had a, um, a, a flat in Kirribilli for a time there. So we knew them, we knew it pretty well, the area. Uh, whilst it's completely different from Bondi, I was living in Bondi. Ben was living over, um, actually he was in, um, he was around um, uh, Elizabeth Bay, but he had the, the flat in, in Kirribilli. So we knew the market pretty well. Um, and we took on a restaurant that was already existing. We took on the old Milson's restaurant, which is an old fine diner um, there, um, and did like just applied what we'd done in Bondi, but just did like a bit of a, bit of a different spin on it. But the back end was essentially the same. Um, th- so that move was quite easy. I just I stayed down in Bondi, looking after Bondi primarily. Then Ben obviously went and ran uh, the botanist. But then it was when we moved into our third restaurant that we needed to start thinking differently, which was when we moved up the road to SoCal, which is in Neutral Bay. Um, it was at that point we were fortunate enough to take on our um, first executive chef, which which made a lot of which made a big difference uh, to my my sleep, um, but also made a big difference and a big impact on that food offer. So, yeah. 
you've got multiple venues and the group is um, all their offerings are quite different. What's the reasoning behind um, not replicating uh, restaurants and creating new offerings? Oh, we, we once had this, um, this like uh, billionaire restaurant guy from the States who was having his condo um, reno- renovated over in Miami. So you're staying around the corner from hardware and he came into Bondi hardware a bunch of times and was just, just absolutely perplexed as to why we would keep doing different brands, you know, from an American headspace where he had something like 250 steakhouses across the States, why we would continually just try to come up with these new brands, not capitalize on what we were doing. And um, it kind of does, when you think about it, it does seem sort of strange to keep just doing different brands, but in the same respect, it was just for us, we keep doing things that we get excited about. I know that sounds really cliched and probably what everyone says, but um we see, we see an area, we see a site that we like, and then we go about building a concept um, that we feel fits into that space. So it's, it's not, we, we've, we've never gone and said, hey, look, let's do a Bondi hardware and let's go plug it into um, Pots Point and call it Pots Point hardware or something like that. We've never, we've never been about that. We, we literally, uh, we're opportunistic in our approach. So we have areas that we like. We've got um, a bunch of... Um, uh, things that we need to tick off in relation to finding sites, but we, we sort of just keep an ear to the ground. And if we see a site that we like in an area that we understand and we also appreciate, um, then we go about building a concept that suits that site and that demographic that we're going to try to hit. So it's kind of like, a, a, for want of a better word, it's a bespoke approach to the market that we're trying to put the, put the restaurant into. Um, but then, you know, there's another part of it. We, we, when we used to come up with concepts was just driven by ideas. We'd just say that's a cute concept or we like that direction. And um, over time we've just kind of kept, kept going by that manner. I mean, it's not, not to say that I'd never find a site and go, you know, that would be a really good um, bop and tone or that would be a really good SoCal or something along those lines. We're always open to that possibility, but um, by and large, it's, it's the, the fun part of building restaurants. And I think anyone would say the same. It's, it's the, it's the buzz of the concept and then they're the coming up with all the different angles and all the small parts that fall in place with that, whether that be your selection of cutlery or the menu design or the, the music that you're going to plug into it or, or whatever it might be. It's the holistic job of putting it together, which is a super, super big buzz. And I guess that, um, you know, that comes from when I was back in my music days, it was about creating something and watching it come to life and, and, and seeing the result of that, that really gets me excited. And I think it's the same for Ben and everybody that works for us, you know. Well, tell us a bit about that creative process and creating these new ideas. Where do they come from? Where are you inspired for these new venues? Uh, that's a good question because they've all come from different areas. Um, what we haven't done, and, and and it's not been by necessarily by choice. We haven't we haven't necessarily gone down the lines of going, "Hey, let's do this because this is what's hot right now." It's kind of been a case of. Um, just as I said before, it's a more, more a case of finding something that we kind of we kind of finding a site and then and then sort of thinking what would really work. And for us, it's not just about a cuisine. So we don't say, hey, look, you know, like Italian's popular at the moment. I'm really, maybe I've got a chef who's digging Italian food. You know, let's let's do let's do that and then build a concept around the the cuisine. We generally come up with a bit more of a narrative and try to sort of think about who we're talking to here. So. To give, an, to give an example of that would be um, Bop and Tone, which is our most recent project in the city. Oh, sorry, excluding Foresters. Sorry, Foresters. Um, Bop and Tone, which is our um, most recent city restaurant. 
um, we kind of we identified the market that we wanted to sit in and we came up with the kind of space that we would want to be eating in, I guess. Um, this sounds a bit corny, but we only came up with what we wanted to be delivering upon. And then, and then at that point, um, once we had the story and the, the, the aspect of what we wanted and, and kind of the, the market we wanted to hit and what we wanted the food to evoke, we then spoke to um, uh, uh, Jason Robertson, who was our executive chef looking after the project, and he, um, and he came along with a pitch of what he felt was the right, were the right food direction to meet that brief. Um, so it was about building a whole holistic narrative of, of what the overall concept was and then, and then making sure all the elements fit with that. Um, like for, sometimes it's slightly different. Like SoCal, for example, um, Mexican was pretty hot at the moment at that, that time. I think everyone remembered 2011, everyone was opening a Mexican restaurant. Um, and, and uh, sorry, 2013 that was. Um, and then, um, you know, Ben was super keen on Mexican food, still has a big love for that food, which is why we've got a lot of it across the group. But um, I, I was not, I was like, I can't, I can't go down that vibe of just doing Mexican and I, and I don't feel like, I could execute it um, and do it to the level that I think would do it justice at that point in my career. So I said, how about we give it a spin and do more of a Southern Cali kind of take on the Mexican and then we'll involve the bar element as well. And then we'll, we'll give it that flow, which I think made that made it sort of fit into to the the market that we're trying to reach better. So it's not always, it's not, it's not always come up with a concept first. There is elements of the food that will guide us in a direction, but, Generally speaking, it's like it's what do we want to make and and what are we trying to do here and who are we trying to hit and then what's the what's the story and then we get all the guys to start collaborating on what they're going to bring to the table in relation to that. So, um, yeah, it's been it's 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 a fun process and it's certainly it's certainly evolved over the years and as we've got um, as we've got you know some really good people working for us now that we we give some more involvement to those guys once uh, earlier days was was a little bit more guided by mum myself or, or ben to come up with overall the overall hit but um now everyone throws in a little bit and we sort of come up with what's what we feel is the best foot forward you know so. what have been the biggest challenges of opening new concepts from scratch that are so different to previous concepts that you've had uh it just it just takes a bit longer to, to, to nail it, doesn't it? Like it, um, you normally, you know, I think if you're just rolling out stuff that you're confident in and doing it the same way, you'd, you'd hit the ground running a bit faster. An example of that would be, you know, hardware. We did a very similar food offer at the botanist and it was just kind of, we, we, we've, we've, we nailed that pretty quickly. Um, as we've changed and done, done different style food offers, it's taken a little bit longer to refine it and, and, and get it right. You know, so I think like everything, I like to say to people, you know, give give restaurants a bit of time before they open, before ideally before reviewing them, but also before you sort of, you know, cast your opinion on them. Because I think everyone's working pretty hard to nail nail it in those first few months, and it can take a little while to find your groove. Um, and so I think that's probably it. Sometimes it, I, I think I used to really panic about it if we didn't get it right from day one. It was it was a, a big concern to me, and it still gives me like great anxiety if I open up the restaurant. I'm not entirely happy with it. But I now, but I now kind of know that that's part of the deal. You know, I open it and I realise that you know that maybe there's some things that don't particularly work, and maybe our service model is just a bit too stiff, and and or maybe the music policy is not the right direction for what we're thinking, and just be willing to adapt and and change to that. So I think that probably the big thing that we get wrong is just the um is the there's that ten percent that you know you know that makes a restaurant from being like okay to being something that's actually pretty decent or pretty good or or even better that magical you know so 
Yeah, that's that's where it's at, I guess. There's many operators in Australia with one or two restaurants or are yearning to have um, another venue or, or a few venues. Um, you treat yours all differently, but what does it take from the back end um, to run all of your venues? Um, look, uh, uh, structure. Um, we've got a um, we've got a head office crew now. We base ourselves out of the Foresters in Denisari Hills. We've got a um, we've got an office up there now. And um, we used to like like a lot of people, a lot of the stuff that we would do, um, we would outsource, whether that be from um, marketing or human resources, um, our recruitment and things like that. You know, it's easy it's, it's easy to turn the tap on and off in that regard. Then. Um, but we have found that over the years by having a really structured and, and um, like, you know, excuse the CEO speak, but a high performing sort of head office structure, high, high performing group um, where um, we've found that it's, it's, it's allowed us to, you know, make sure we're delivering on all the, the small measurables that are required from a restaurant because there's so many, there's so many different elements, aren't there? Um, so in our head office group, um, there's Ben and I who are, you know, we, we, we're still very hands-on and very involved. I look after more of the, the food and Bev and the, um, the aesthetics and, and the concepts and stuff like that. Um, Ben's um, a very good marketing brain and he's super passionate about that. And he, so he looks after the marketing side of things, but also uh, the more serious elements of the business, the financials and stuff like that. But um, in our head office, we've got we've got internal marketing nowadays. I've got a group executive chef. We've just got a new one that's starting up with us. Um, group bars manager and sommelier, um, and then a couple of operational guys um, to make sure we're delivering on that on on all elements. We we outsource our um, our PR still, and we also outsource our bookkeeping, which um, it's a it's an expensive part. <laughs> of, of it's, it costs us a lot of money to have that done really well, our bookkeeping and payroll and stuff like that. But it's having that taken care of by someone who's really good at it. Um, it's, uh, again, it allows you to focus on what you need to focus on. And I, I did the books when we first started Applejack and I was hopeless at it. Like I, I was, I look back and I was, I'm surprised anybody got paid. Um, but, um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but once it was like a massive relief, you know, when, when I started outsourcing that and, and I felt that our business as a result of that really started to thrive because, you know, service is what's important. Yeah. So the last year and a half has affected uh, many and with so many restaurants in the group, um, what's it, what's it been like for you guys? And you're currently in a lockdown now, like what, what what's, what's changed for the group? Um, I think probably the, the main thing that changed was our, our focus is, you know, when, when everything's just normal and the business is trading as usual, you just focus on, uh, you know, growth and trade and everything like that. You don't really stop to, to think about why you're doing it, you know, you, and, and, um, the first lockdown was pretty scary. I think everybody would admit like it was a very dark moment for everybody in hospo and, and no one was prepared for that kind of shock. And we certainly weren't. We just, we just plowed a whole ton of our cash into a um, big project in the city and we were still, you know, working on paying that down. And we had a whole heap of staff looking at us for, for answers and, and, and for support. And, you know, it was, it was, it was hard. It was hard to look at them in the eye and say, try to work out what we could do for them. But um, we made a very clear decision early on that, that what we could do is offer whilst, you know, the financial support would certainly run out and we couldn't all be paid. And we, Ben and I certainly didn't take a penny for a long time. And, 
and everyone was in the same position. Um, we just, we made an, we don't made efforts just to communicate clearly with everybody about, you know, if we had to stand people down, what, what was, what was the reason behind that? And what did that mean to them? And, um, probably our, our other thing that we, we really made a focus point was to try to assist them with accessing what they could, anything that could benefit them, whether that be government support or job keeper or what have you. But, um, because a lot of the guys, you know, we've got a lot of our visa holders, English is a second language, and they don't, it was, they, they were trying to work out how they were going to get through it. A lot of visa holders had to go home or, and how, and how do we go about getting them back and what did that look like? So communication was, communication was key for us. But I think from a cultural perspective, um, it did thrust something that was always um, part of our culture, which has always been, you know, our people. And again, that sounds really um, corny. But it's something that's always been really important to us is is the vibe within the crew, and and we we try to you know practice what we preach and we we have a very flat hierarchy and everyone's kind of everyone's got a voice and we all get along and and you know I hate to use the term but if if anyone's not fitting into that mold or is 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 acting in a way that they they stand out pretty quick and but that it did it did it did um it did sort of make us realize that that was actually the fundamental reason for what we're, what we're doing here and, and that everybody was along and in part of it. So culturally it was a very, had a very positive impact on the group. I would say um, whilst it was dark at the start, we got through it really well. And, and I think the whole team was really proud of, of how we sort of came together towards the end and, and everyone felt closer than ever throughout it. Um, and this, this time around, it's, it's not as, it's not as scary. You know, we were, we were, um, uh, putting pennies away in preparation for something like this to happen again and, and making sure that we're a bit better prepared this time, this time round. But it's, it's still, um, but still watching the crew just like shut everything down and the communication level we've had endless amounts of um, not endless amounts. We've, we're probably boring them to death with all the stuff that we're pumping them with, but we're just trying to work with the with the guys to make sure that the casual guys can get access to any, any cash that they can get and we're, you know, making sure the guys are getting annual leave payments should they want them and things like that. So everyone can get through the next couple of weeks as best we can. But um, yeah, I guess it, it, it just, it just really highlighted for us that, you know, the, your crew is everything and, and the people that are working for you are really, you know, are really special. And, and we focused on that and, and made that our reason for getting through, you know, as, as a, as a team and, you know, all of that. So yeah, it seemed to work. What sort of impact has the last year and a half had on you personally? Has it has it changed you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, um, I do try, like, just from a personal perspective, I do try to to turn off uh, more than I than I did. I was I was all hammer and tongs, like a lot of business owners are, and having you know a couple of kids at home while trying to manage a, a company closing down over a period, while also not making sure that personally my financial position was was you know sustained and I wasn't going to lose my house and all the things that were were going with that it was it was really it was really quite you know dark and intense um and I did have a bit of a wobble at the start I think I kind of I kind of just I was, I was just sort of prepared for anything I was you know like like all people I was prepared to I was coming to terms with the fact that if I did lose my house, would that be okay? And my wife was very supportive and she, what would happen if she was to lose her job? And we kind of went through all of the, the worst case scenario stuff. But what it did highlight for me personally is that, you know, you, you got, you've got, you've got to stop and enjoy it. Because <laughs> you know, you don't know when it's going to be, when things are going to change and, and your priorities need to be your family and your friends and all that sort of stuff. So 
I, I just, if anything, I just take more time to myself and more time to my family and friends and try to be more present. And, and you know, as a result of all of that stuff that went on, but, um, which I'm sure most people would say the same, that that's probably the byproduct of this thing, you know. You started with uh, one venue down in Bondi and have many all over Sydney. What, what, what is it that you love about what you do? Oh, it's just, I just love all of the different businesses for different reasons. Um, I, um, I guess when I moved into hospitality and, and when I made it a career choice, the reason I was, I was doing well out of it was because I, I guess my personality lent itself to that. You know, I'm a person that likes to be around people. I like banter. I like, I like having a laugh. I like, um, you know, I like seeing the team have a good time. Um, and, I guess that, and that's where I'm at nowadays. You know, I've got uh, I've got a, you know, a couple of direct reports um, that you know the, the the food and bev guys report into me, the human resource guy does. But further down the line, the other all the other guys, I get to just kind of offer them, try to offer them pearls of wisdom if they're available to them. But um, but just just also be around and, and be involved with the operations and add value. And uh, as I said, every every business is different, and I and I really love that about it. You know, I go into Bob and Tone, I'm adding a different. Adding different value to if I'm going into Foresters, which is you know, you know, it's a pub, and, and what does that need? And and um, I get to see lots of different people every day, and not every, not any day is the same. And I've I can I try to try to not just be in the office much. I, I spend a day in the office just getting rid of emails, um, but the rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the weeks um, spent you know going around and and seeing different people, and you know trying to be pumped and be inspired myself. Yeah. Well, you mentioned um, Foresters is the latest to join the group, but um, but what's next? What's what's the next couple of years looking like? Oh, we've got uh, we've got a few things um, on the go. We've got a few um, projects that we're looking at that are, that are too early to talk about. But um, look, we like we like we like businesses that, um, as I said, challenge us. Um, we're looking for stuff that's um, multifaceted, um, stuff that. Um, and for Applejack, we'd like to continue to explore. Uh, some some different styles of food. So um, food's a big one for us over the next couple of years. I've I've got a really exciting new um, executive chef starting who I can't just announce just yet, but um, we've got a real focus on that and and um, looking forward to just seeing what we can do with that. I guess, um, but focusing on the fun element, we're not we're not about just um, growing for growth sake. That's not there's no end game so to speak. We just we just see stuff that we like to do and. I say to my guys all the time, it's it's growth for growth for me or growth for the company is not about me trying to send my daughter to ski school in Aspen. Um, I, I've got no I've got no ambitions for anything like that. It's 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 purely for the fact that I have anxiety about what I'm going to do with my guys as they develop and grow and get further up the tree. Like I've got some awesome chefs working for me now that I know they want different stuff and and part of part of growth allows me to unlock opportunity for everybody within the group and it's almost like i feel when but when if it's just say it's 12 to 18 months 18 months between opening a venue generally speaking right um we it's almost like i unlock this new opportunity for everyone and there's like this this like breath of fresh air comes into all the existing restaurants and people who are working within them just say you're a, a sous chef you might be given the opportunity for that head chef position that you've been wanting for two years or something along those lines and if you're a bar manager you might get that opportunity to come out the front and it's like everyone gets to kind of like move up and creates this new opportunity so 
we are very I'm very much conscious of that and, and, and when we grow it allows us to keep developing and, and I attract better talent to in, into the company from a head office perspective and so that's why we do it. It's 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 and it's also the addiction part of it, I guess, which I spoke about earlier. But um yeah, a bit on. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to uh, seeing what does happen when you can announce things and also the executive chef as well. Uh, Hamish, we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks, Huck. Appreciate your time, mate. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.